Bueller. 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 Nine times, Mr. Rooney. Oh, good evening and welcome to the Nexus. Oh, Ed, with your bad back, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. <laughs> oh, we're heading right into it. What just happened, though, proves a very important point that I've discovered over the last few days. So mm -hmm. our topic tonight, first off, we're introducing our three things concept, which is one thing we've predetermined to discuss, and then each of us will bring uh, a thing of our own to discuss um, without having mentioned it to the other. And as Agreed. you know, the, next, the nexus is very unpredictable, and you never know what will be said. Although, now we have added an element of predictability with the one previously agreed upon thing. And Steve, what is our agreed upon thing for this evening? That would be to discuss that righteous dude, Ferris Bueller, and his day off. The, From the 1986 classic directed by John Hughes, which has an 81% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Which, which sounds about right. Uh, I surprisingly, for me, this movie did not age well. Um, it's, let's see, critics 81%, audience 92%. So, in case you're not familiar with the movie, um, a high school junior, I believe he's a junior in the movie, decides to um, take a day off of school and to convince his best friend to join him and his young friend to, for her to check out of school and join them as well. Uh, along the way, his sister and, uh, I, I don't know, Mr. Rooney, the uh, guidance counselor, attendance clerk. Do we ever get his full title? Mr. Uh, Rooney? Yeah. Uh, isn't he the principal? I don't think he's the principal. I think he's the principal. I feel quite confident that he is the principal. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but I, I think he was like an assistant, maybe. I'm I'm I I don't know uh, that that to me seems like that's a that's a no brainer um, that oh but I don't know I'm now now you've got me doubting myself I just had always been um, yeah it's it says that well let's say I see things that say that he was the vice principal to me he makes more sense as the vice principal because usually the principal doesn't worry about such things as attendance. Or, or would be seem to be that preoccupied. Um, so I, I can go with vice principal, but I just don't think he was the, the head principal. But I don't know. You know, do, do many vice principals have a, a secretary? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. If it's a large school, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this line of questioning. We're already off <laughs> to just a really difficult uh, start here with with our, our discussion because I was just acting under the assumption that he was the principal. I always felt like he was more of a, a, a guidance counselor says principal. That's okay. But you know, the, so the premise of the movie or the, we've talked about the premise. Um, okay. He's this, I'm going to get something that says he's Dean of students, which could also mean that's a very vague title. No doubt. Um, so I don't know. So you're some kind of disciplinarian, I would say. Um, but the, the movie was very well received back in 1986 for um, the, the acting of Matthew Broderick, very, very charming actor, um, is breaking the fourth wall, speaking directly to the audience. 
It introduced us to Jennifer Grey, who would later be in Dirty Dancing. Also, Charlie Sheen, at the end of this film, is in mm -hmm. a scene. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and along the way, he gets into, you know, he convinces Cameron, his best friend, who's actually homesick, to join him on this day off to steal Cameron's father's car. They illegally check out Simone uh, with that great voice that uh, Cameron does. Rooney, pardon my French, you're an asshole. Yes. Yes. Why did you kick me? <laughs> there, here's so I, I don't want to go through necessarily break it down scene by scene, but when I think of Ferris Bueller's, I generally I like the movie. I actually don't like Ferris Bueller. Uh, I think he's very a very selfish character uh, who seeks the seeks lots of attention. And here's the thing I, I thought about when um, when I was thinking about this movie. When you quote this movie, how often do you actually quote Ferris Bueller? Mm, that's a good question. It's not very often. You quote the other characters, including the only the only quote that I think that might off might not not me personally. I don't think I ever used this quote, but the whole life moves pretty fast. That was yeah. His. Okay, that's I'll give you that. But like you know, the most quotable thing is Bueller, Bueller, anybody. And then, like, you know, there's things like nine times Mrs. Bueller ruining your asshole, like I, I talked about. And then, um, the, you know, Edgar, with your bad back, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. Or Ferris, uh -huh. Bueller, you're, Ferris Bueller, you're my hero. Then Cameron uh -huh. says to him when he saves him from the bottom of the pool. Yes. Um, so for me, when I think about the, most of the things I quote from this movie, they're not actually from Ferris Bueller. I don't actually think he's a very likable character. Let me ask you this question. So in this movie, Ferris Bueller, according to Grace, the secretary, played by um, – shoot, why can't I remember her name? She was Mrs. Poole on the uh, – Edie McClure, mm -hmm. who we also discussed in Planes, Trains, Automobiles. She was the marathon car clerk. Um, she was also uh, Rodney Dangerfield's secretary in um, – Back to Back school, to school? which I often confuse these movies because I want to put Sam Kennison in Ferris Bueller. <laughs> um, Sam Kennison not aged well for me. So yeah. someone I watched now and I just I I thought it was hilarious back in the eighties and I just yeah. But I think that I was oh she describes him as you know uh, this gizzoids dweebs cools goes to everybody yeah. loves Ferris Bueller. Mm -hmm. So yeah. let me ask you this was this question. Did a Ferris Bueller exist in your high school? Because I don't recall ever a person, especially in this time period in the mid-80s, that we really loved. Now, you and I, I believe, when this movie came out, we would have been likely going into eighth grade, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Right. So we're just we're three years younger than Ferris Bueller, roughly. But I don't, I don't recall any universally loved person uh, like this movie tries to make Ferris Bueller out to be. So what do you think? I think that there was probably a guy in my class that had the makings of being a Ferris Bueller, but he kept getting himself shipped off to boarding school. <laughs> so we never, uh, you know, he was not quite as adept at Ferris at fooling the adults. Okay. Uh, so he ended up, always getting shipped off. I mean, and, uh, and I hated that. I mean, he and I were rel relatively close. I'm not going to use names, obviously, as we uh, um, 
sometimes like to protect some some people's privacy, but I'm I'm going to choose to leave this one anonymous. <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, he uh, he 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 had some Ferris Bueller like qualities. Um, so I, I think we need to go back into into what you said. Is is you know you said that Ferris Bueller is not for you is not very likable. He's not. Obviously, obviously not the quotable one. And I would agree with that because beyond that, life moves pretty fast. Um, you know, I think of, oh, Cameron, you don't want this much heat. Uh, um, you know, then, of course, you know, him singing, which is not really him singing because it sounds like. Right. Uh, and so and though that scene does nothing for me. The fact that I'm watching Matthew Broderick lip sync, it's always right. bothered me. Like, why? Why would people be cheering him on on a float if he's lip syncing? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, agreed. But let's look at let's look at the things he does here. So he lies to his parents. The sickness. Uh-huh. Okay, that's and, not and, and and not just lies. He is he is pretending to be someone he is not. Right. He is he is pretending to be an innocent, sweet teenager who does what mommy and daddy tell him. And the reality is, he's a sneak, a conniving manipulator and that's that's what he's done with his parents and that's just with his parents yeah uh, and, and i remember his dad like you know, gives him a little knock on the chin just right, get him tired. Yeah. yeah 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 uh which you know the minute they shut the door he's out of bed of course he's right. got the the cliched 80s uh, you know crazy setup where like chain reaction this happens bowling ball roll, rolls onto something mm-hmm. lights match mm-hmm. burns a straight right. you know, yeah Sure, mousetrap. Right, we've seen in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yes. Um, and so then let's look at some of the things he does. So then he he convinces Cameron, who is sick, to skip school with him. He convinces mm-hmm. Cameron to pretend to be Simone's dad and lie to the principal. Mm-hmm. He then convinces Cameron they should steal his father's sports car. Mm-hmm. He then then they then pick up Simone from school. And they go do a variety of things, including lying and saying he's Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. Which I actually, that's, my favorite part is, and again, this is why Ferris Bueller to me is not quotable. It's not him claiming to be Abe Froman. It's the way the maitre d' says, you're Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. Yes. That's that's what's funny. Yes, it, it absolutely is. I actually had a t-shirt, Abe Froman, sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> I absolutely did. And it was a great t-shirt and I don't know what happened to it. And I'm a little bit sad about it, but yes, that, that to me was a memorable scene. Any time Cameron was doing any sort of, you know, impression, it was usually pretty memorable. Yeah. Cameron Cameron, was great. The the character of Cameron, um, kind of grounded Ferris Bueller, but I just didn't from, and for me that I, I felt like there was a lot of wannabe Ferris Bueller's, Mm-hmm. Uh, in in high school, mm-hmm. I know I knew one. I won't mention by name, but one particular friend that was very into Ferris Bueller and the whole Parker Lewis can't lose kind of guy. Uh huh. Yeah, little Zach Morris. <laughs> little uh, there's there's a few characters you could you could throw in yeah, there. Yeah, you could love you... yeah, and definitely definitely where there wouldn't be Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell without without Ferris Bueller. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and but you know you could also you could reach back to. Though, and, and there are some differences here, and I don't, I don't want to get us, drag us too far off track, but, you know, you could look at the Vinnie Barbarino character from Welcome Back, Cotter. Um, you know, just 
kind of in school for the reason of the social aspect, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, Bob Marino might be a bit of a stretch in the comparison, but I can see some influences in there. You know, just the way the other students treated him. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I like the fonts. I'm like, Ferris yeah. Bueller was like sure. a fonts. Oh, yeah. That's another great one. Um, just out of a school setting. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, not, not, not feared like the fonts. Right. Which is, in retrospect, hilarious. I think that Henry Winkler was intimidating to anybody. Right. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Because isn't he like five foot two or something? Yeah, like he's that? not tall. He's like shorter than I am. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so all the, as the day goes on, Ferris Bueller, it, it, Mr. Rooney is in hot pursuit because if Ferris misses like one more day, then he has to, I think there's a threat of him repeating like his senior year or the semester. Uh-huh. Um, he breaks into the school system. He hacks it, reduces the number of days as it counts down as uh, Rooney's shouting on the phone for grace. Um, and that's where the line comes you know, your son's been absent nine times, nine times the screen, nine times, and the screen kind of counts down, kind of setting it up all to that chase. I think it's been done before, too, where people have laid out the timeline of this movie that could you get all of this in, what all of what Ferris does, could he have done all of this and been home in time? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is absolutely not. Right. I mean, just the Cubs game alone. <laughs> I mean, right. a, Cubs, a Cubs game would start at what? I think it's, uh, it's be one central, right? Well, there's, there's, there's all sorts of things to point out here is, you know, and I believe, what, what did you say the year of this movie was? 86. Uh, Carry the uh, one. Yes. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> checking something. Okay. So yeah, I, that's mm, 1988. So the, first of all, the, the, just the nature of the sold out baseball game in the middle of a school day <laughs> is a little bit strange. Now it did, to be fair, this was before Wrigley field got lights. So it, they would yeah. be playing day games, but the parade in the middle of a school slash work day. Yeah. That's that never the part made... that's, that's a little bit strange. Um, I think they went to the top of the, the Sears tower. They went to the art museum. Yes, yes, and they join up with a field trip group in the art museum, oh, and none hands. of the, none of, yes, none of the uh, teachers that are with that group think to say, hey, these are <laughs> high school kids, probably should be in school, maybe we should report this, you know, I, but I think, I think one of the things that was the strangest to me is one of two characters should not have been in this film at all. And it doesn't matter which one. I know which one I prefer because of what he does for the movies. But if you're skipping school, do you bring your girlfriend and your best friend? (laughs) Or do you pick one? You pick one. Absolutely. Absolutely you pick one. I got no problem if he picks Cameron. That's fine. Hey, let's let's have a guy's day. Go see a baseball game, go, you know, to eat at that fancy restaurant and say we're the Sausage King of Chicago, whatever. You know, I get that. No problems there. Similarly, if you say, I want to spend the day with my girlfriend, out of school, out of the watching eyes of the adults, whatever, also, also very cool. Understand that. 
Well, one of the things I didn't understand, the movie's set in Chicago. Why is Cameron wearing a Gordie Howe Detroit Red Wings jersey? That's another good question. And I did why not even it? think about that until just now. Why was he wearing a Blackhawks jersey? Would have, would have why to... wasn't he wearing the Griswold Blackhawks jersey? Right, exactly. So, yeah, and then and another weird thing in, in these John Hughes comedies, uh, which I enjoy John Hughes comedies. For the most part, I do. But, but I also find that there's a point where I'm just like, I kind of roll my eyes. Where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is. I do love playing strange automobiles, no flaw there. But even with 16 Candles, when I come to this realization that why is this 15 year old or 16 year old chasing down this 18 year old? Why is it okay he's so interested in her? Um, you know, in, in Pretty in Pink, I don't like the twist where she ends up with, with uh, what's his name? It's not Steph. Um, she ends up with Andrew McCarthy. Mm hmm. And Breakfast Club takes a dark turn. Even Plain Strange Automobiles takes a dark turn like we talked about in our podcast. It t takes that dark turn where Del Griffith really is, you know, he's homeless. He's a homeless guy. This yeah. also, with Cameron trying to seemingly kill himself at the bottom of the pool and all these yeah. issues with his dad and the car going uh -huh. through the window. And, mm -hmm. like, I, I, it's, just, it's a theme I didn't notice in, uh, in John Hughes movies before, but I don't know. It's kind of a downer sometimes. What's the I, what's 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 the dark theme in um, Sixteen Candles? Is it Andrew well, no, Michael I, Hall's family? I, I, no, Anthony Michael Hall. Well, I mean, the kid, and honestly, I mean, is in Sixteen Candles, if Anthony Michael Hall and Caroline hook up in the back of that car, what really happened there? Did yeah. she was drunk and he wasn't? Yeah. Did he take advantage of her? Well, I, I don't. Know. I don't know that he wasn't drunk too. <laughs> He wakes up with the headgear on. I love that. I, I, uh, I seem to think that he was drunk too. I just think there's some weird. It was a weirdness of that movie when the whole thing about forgetting Samantha's birthday. She's forgotten compared to her sister. Um, you know, Jake realizing how much he hates everything that he has. Um, it's just, it's, I do. I do enjoy John Hughes movies, but you know, I guess for anyone, for anyone that wasn't alive in the '80s. I don't think these movies were really indicative of what high school was like in the eighties at all. No, I think, uh, I think, um, maybe, uh, what, what say what's, by, what's honestly, the one say by the, the bell seems like a more realistic representation of, of the, uh, see, I was going to, I was going to go darker than that. I was going to go with like less than zero with Robert Downey. <laughs> oh, was that a John Hughes movie too? I don't remember if that was a John Hughes movie or not, but, but uh, but so yeah. So I, let me. Let me I was going to ask here. you. You were you were going to say you 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 seem like, and I I feel like we've kind of danced around this before. But are you almost suggesting that Ferris Bueller is an antagonist? <laughs> yes. Is is he the bad guy? He may very well be. Do you, do you I don't feel I don't like... I don't think Mr. Rooney's the good guy here because Mr. Rooney. Uh, you know, is is breaking into his house, uh -huh. which you know they catch him at the end. We could get into that right. whole that 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 part was interesting. Rooney trying to break in the house and Janine catching him and kicking him in the face mm -hmm. and all that. That was all pretty good. And the dog too. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Ferris Bueller is the hero of this movie. I always thought the girl that was on the phone in the high school. She's kind of short, but she was pretty cute. She's only movie for about thirty seconds on the phone. Oh my God, Ferris, you're dying. Yeah. Got, I love the barf sound, the synthesizer, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I did also find that like funny. I also like the uh, the recorded when you ring the doorbell. Um, yeah, <laughs> my weakened state. I'm afraid that I might slip and fall and injure myself further. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that I think that I could I could go as far as to say that, but you know, Stephen, this is a trend that I see in so many things. At least from in my opinion, in watching things. I very often find myself put off by main characters. Okay. I don't know why that is. I find myself more drawn to supporting characters. Yeah, that's what the whole podcast podcast and that we're I think we both are tend to think that the the parts the parts create the sum. Yes. Yes. Um, and oh, look at you! That was that was really philo- philosophical. I try. Should I start calling you Socrates? <laughs> this funny is like I can tear this movie apart for being unrealistic, but if we talked about Bill and Ted, I wouldn't tear it apart at all for being unrealistic. You know why? Of course though? not. Beca- because Bill and Ted's this is a problem I have for Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller is a movie that takes itself very seriously. Yes. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure does not in any way take itself seriously. No. It's a complete farce. And and I think that Ferris Bueller, that's I guess I felt like he was too righteous and everyone just loved him too much and he was really just kind of a jerk. And that's why when I when this comes on, I, I, I have a hard time rooting for Ferris. There are times where I, I'm like, man, maybe if his dad would just turn his head a split second sooner towards the end when they're running in the street. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe Mr. Rooney, uh, well, he does catch him at the end, but then Janine... You know, toss him his wallet, which is a great moment. Yeah, that is a great moment, and she plays a great character in that movie. Um, I, yeah, uh, she's, she's wonderful. I, I I tend to, I can sometimes go either way with Jennifer Grey. Um, you know, uh, I've, did you, I've did you watch this as a kid and like you, you're watching this and you hate Janine, hate Janine, and by the end of the movie you're like, she's kind of cute. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, but I also, you know, she was in Red Dawn. The yeah, original. great. Oh, we should talk about Red Dawn sometime. We should. I'd, I, I, I'd would, have to rewatch that. I think it's a really good movie. Yes. Um, and, um, but, you know, I always, as a kid, um, was, uh, uh, or as a t- young teenager, I was always more attracted to Leah Thompson. Interesting. So she was the other girl, you remember, in that movie, in, in the Wolverines. Yeah. And, uh. And and so I was I was always, I was, she was always the one I was I was kind of attracted to. Um, I liked Leah Thompson. So. I thought I thought she was. By the time she got to Carolina in the city in the nineties, was not 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 interested anymore. But yeah, younger Leah Thompson. Yeah, like, I mean when she, uh, like some how, kind of Howard wonderful... the Howard the Duck punk rock Leah Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of wonderful Leah Thompson. <laughs> I don't know if Amanda <laughs> we, Jones. I'm, we need to talk about Howard the Duck at some point. I would have to rewatch that because I saw it at the theaters when it came out, and that's probably the last time I've seen it. So I do want I do want to say something about Matthew Broderick though, though I didn't, I don't really like Ferris Bueller a whole lot. I think that there's two movies that he's much better in, and no Inspector Gadget's not one of them. Lady Hawk. <laughs> I've actually never seen Lady Hawk or Project X, but I have seen two other movies that he was really good in, and they were War both. Games. War Games was excellent. I think War Games was around eighty, mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah, maybe more like eighty three. Yeah, that was War Games. That's where was I really... think they got the him changing the grade scene from. 
That makes sense. Because he changed his grades in, in war games. Shall we play a game? Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, what was the computer's name in war games? Uh, Joshua. That's correct. That was a very – the first half of war games is some of the best movie making you'll ever see. The last half of it's pretty ridiculous, but yeah. still the first part's so good that the second half, so you can forgive it. And then the other one I thought he was really, really good in, which I thought was his best work, was The Freshman uh, with Marlon Brando. If okay. you haven't seen yep. that, you should. That's the, You know what I'm talking about? I do. Uh, I do. I, I, again, I'm pretty sure I saw that when it was in the theaters and haven't seen it since. So that yeah. one would – War Games, you know, every now and then it will come on TV and you'll just kind of fall into little patterns of it. Um, I'll look this up real quick because I, I know – so Ferris Bueller, he's playing a senior in high school in 1986. Mm-hmm. I think he's – no, he's a junior. Okay. Let's see. I'm curious. I think the freshman is like 90. So we're going like five years later, he's playing like someone who's two years older than that point. Yeah, the mm-hmm. freshman is 90. So like yeah, four years later, he's still playing someone about the same age. But the freshman was was good where he, he – um, I don't want to give away too much. It was kind of a almost a Godfather parody in parts, where yeah. um, he finds himself as a freshman needing money in New York City, finds himself involved in organized crime and falling in love with the the daughter of a guy who closely resembles the Godfather. And that's just a really that's a that's a good movie. And I think that's a I think both War Games and The Freshman, uh, for me, are are you know bookends of the '80s, uh, yeah. but but really a good job. And with Ferris Bueller in the middle. I don't know. I just the, the breaking the fourth wall just does nothing for me at all. Um, but well, I, I mean, Zach was... Morris broke the fourth wall frequently. But that was different. I, I did again going back to this movie takes itself too seriously. Did yeah. you ever think Zach Morris was taking himself seriously? Never. No. Except for when like he and Kelly broke up. That was always that was always a tough episode. They, nev- they never they never should put us through that. No, they shouldn't. Have. The whole scene where she's dating the guy from UCLA and they're sitting yes. on the oh, table. I, 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 can't, oh, I, I can't talk about Jeff. It's I can't hard. Talk it's about it's Jeff. hard. It's, yeah. Jeff, was it Jeff? I think Jeff was Yeah, there. he was Jeff. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't. That's, Jeff this was a hard, he hard came, moment. He's, no. He was managing the Max. Oh, yeah, I can't. Oh, that's, oh it's, 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 it's too much. We need to do a Saved by the Bell episode, too. I could do that. Zach Slater, yeah. what is going on here? I, I do think um, – I lost my train of thought. Okay, so the – what did Ferris Bueller? Ferris Bueller gave us something that wasn't often used in in movies. And until this is the first movie I can really remember happening in. Can can you do you know what I'm talking about? You mean something besides the fourth wall? Yes. Um, hmm, give me give me. We're gonna do. You're gonna give me seven seconds of dead air while I think. Uh, <laughs> If you want to hum like the Jeopardy theme or something like that, um, you motivate. Your price? Uh, I'm, I'm done. I've got, I'm just going to give up. Because I, couldn't, I couldn't even. Uh, I couldn't even <laughs> concentrate when you brought, brought in Night Ranger. That's just that's the end of it. So, um, okay, what is it? I don't know. I think the end credit scene. Ah. That's the first movie I remember because, you know, as the credits are going on, they've got the whole scene where Mr. Rooney's walking, getting on yes. the bus, mm-hmm. and then sitting down, the girl offers him, which is like some gummy bears that are warm, been yes. sitting in my pocket. Yeah. But then, mm-hmm. like, the credits roll completely, and at the end, he walks out with, like, the towel wrapped around his head, and he goes, what are you, what are still, you still doing, doing here? 
Yeah. The movie's over. Go home. Yeah. 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 I did like that. And that's the first time I can remember. I don't recall many other movies of that time doing that. Now that seems like if it's a big blockbuster of any kind, it's going to have that in it. Right. And I don't know that any of the John Hughes movies had that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, so I, don't know, I don't know if we're supposed to wrap this up with some kind of rating system or we're, I, th- I think we just leave it as we just discussed Ferris Bueller's Day Off and just kind of gave our opinions of it. Um, of course, if you'd like to contact the Nexus and leave feedback for us, we'd love to hear your questions about Ferris Bueller and your thoughts. So I think that what we should do is we rate when we feel like rating. Right. And I don't feel like rating this one. So, I don't want to rate it because, and this is why I'm not going to rate I know it's a classic in the 80s, and I know I've got criticisms of it. I don't think I could really, like, if I gave it, like, a 5, that would be mm-hmm. ridiculous. If I gave it a 9, too high. If I gave a 7, too cliche, so I'm just going to leave it as, would I, would I recommend the movie to somebody? Probably. Yeah. I can, I can say, I can, I can agree with that. I, my my rating is, as... do, do I watch it every time it comes on? No. My my thought goes back to the, I think it was one of the first things that you said. It hasn't aged well. Right. So if people are saying, okay, give me five movies from the 80s that you feel like are a good, re- or let's make it even, let's pare it down even more. Five comedies from the 80s or romantic comedies, either one, doesn't matter. Five Is airplane comedies, a romantic comedy? No. Five Naked comedies gun. from the, no. Five Spies comedies like from the 80s that you know you feel like are representative that, that you feel like people need to see i would not include this one no i wouldn't i wouldn't either. include it yeah i don't um, even know if you said give me five john hughes movies that i would include this one right agreed i think i, I would agree with that so yes um all right so uh what are you bringing to the nexus tonight steve all right so i the other day this movie popped into my mind I have out. Excuse me, I'm going to sneeze here. I'm hoping you didn't hear any of that. You didn't hear that, did you? I, I mean, slightly. Okay, I covered it pretty good. Okay, so I'm thinking of a movie from 1981 uh-huh. uh, that I know I saw in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't... I don't... I don't want to tell you the actor who's in it, so I'm going to give you some a couple of taglines and then give you a couple of people who are in this movie. Meet the world's richest orphan. I know what you're thinking. It's not Richie Rich. He's small enough to live in a locker, smart enough to pick the winners, and big enough to beat the system. Does that ring a bell? Stuart Little. <laughs> no, it's not a. Um, that was a pretty good a, guess, though. Not really. Huh. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, a young homeless boy named Lester is living in a locker in Union Station, Chicago. Already a beloved figure. This is from Wikipedia. Already a beloved figure among the staff and station look after him, and avoiding attempts to move into an orphanage, he finds great popularity after it's revealed that he has an amazing talent for picking winning horses at the racetrack. Now, if you were to think of the year 1980 mm-hmm. and then think of big actors 
and if I went back and I read this again, he's small enough to live in a locker. So he's Macaulay Culkin. 1980. Ah, so he's... I don't uh... even know if Macaulay Culkin was alive in 1980. <laughs> I can tell you that um, Norman Fell was in this movie as the mayor. Michael Lembeck, uh, who you would recognize because he was on One Day at a Time. Um, Bill Russell. Let's see if that was it. The Bill Russell. Bill Russell, the Celtics legend, was in this movie. <laughs> a young Jamie Gertz played a character known as Big Girl. The movie was wow. ninety. The movie was ninety-seven minutes long. The lead actor that I'm I'm trying to get you to guess. He was actually. Uh, he earned a Razzie nomination for Worst Actor in this performance, but he lost to Clinton Spilsbury for The Legend of the Lone Ranger, which I also saw in the theater, and I thought The Legend of the Lone Ranger was freaking great. Um, but Clinton Spilsbury in that movie, his acting was so bad, they actually dubbed over every one of his scenes. This movie was released on VHS in, 1980s, <clears throat> in 1980, but was never... Um, never released on DVD... It didn't get much attention except for in 2004 when Entertainment Weekly compared the movie Terminal with Tom Hanks, where his character lives in airport terminal, to this movie. But you're going to have to put yourself... Think of this, okay? The world's richest orphan. He's small enough to live in the locker, smart enough to pick the winners, and big enough to beat the system. So there's really important clues in there and then with the year. And you said the year is 1980. That's correct. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% certain I saw this movie in the theater. And, and the whole thing was he could pick these horse races. He'd be shining someone's shoe. They'd have a newspaper out. And like the name of the horse would be like highlighted in his mind. And he would do that. They eventually move him into um, like a caboose or something they renovate but he prefers living in the locker he literally lives in like i guess he's somehow knocked down the space between lockers so like he'll open oh, one and later okay so i got two guesses as to the main actor okay it's got to be that now that i've had some time to think about this it's got to be either emmanuel lewis or gary coleman which one is it but the 1980 the 1980 you said it's in 80 so i'm gonna have to say gary coleman yeah that's correct Actually, it says it was released in 81. So, okay. yes, it was Gary Coleman. Because um, Web Webster would have been a little bit later than that, right? Right. Let, I think Webster was maybe 84. Okay. Um, but I remember generally liking this movie, but I haven't. I, was, I guess that's the reason why I was thinking I haven't seen this movie forever. Because um, I probably watched it on – I know I saw it in the theater, and I probably watched it on cable a lot. But it says that um, it got pretty poor reviews. But it said that Siskel and Ebert were actually not that too hard on it. They gave it fairly positive re reviews. What's the um, name of the movie? On the Right Track. On the Right Track. In fact, uh, let's see. Is it Siskel says Coleman makes his movie debut as a high-spirited orphan. Uh, and I think it's the only movie... Uh, Gene Sis actually loves Ebert. Gene Siskel says, uh, said, On the Right Track is truly a charming movie. Okay. So what would so, you like to say about this movie? I was just curious if you remembered it. Um, I don't have any recollection of this movie at all. 
Um, I, I, I was trying to think as, you know, after, after I made that guess, I was trying to think, do I remember him being in any movies? Yeah, I, I don't, I think he may have been in another one, but he really, he wasn't, um, but I was, he's one of those guys, like, as it got into, like, the 90s and the 2000s, and we know that Gary Coleman, he probably passed away 15 years ago now, I think. Um, yeah. I'm going to check that. He passed away in 2010, 13 years ago, uh, when he was only 42, which is <laughs> eight years younger than us uh, right. than we are right now. Um, yeah. Gary Coleman was no joke. Um, you know, he was he was big enough to get his own movie. Different Strokes was one of the most popular shows on TV for 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 a, a long, a huge part of its run, um, and I feel like he be, kind of became a joke at the end of his career. But um, but you know, Gary Coleman provided us with a lot of entertainment back there, especially in the the late seventies and early eighties. I mean, Different Strokes was on for quite a while. I mean, it was on from I'm looking at it right here, from seventy eight to eighty six. Yeah. That's a that's and, a pretty big that and and in the jump in that from from seventy eight to eighty six people didn't leave that that those are two very different time periods absolutely because by eighty six you're talking Miami Vice era. exactly you're you know? you're going from from disco <laughs> yeah. to uh um to <laughs> cocaine uh, and Lamborghinis concrete under your feet living in the river of darkness yeah. beneath the neon lights yeah um, you belong to the city my friend yeah you belong to the city. So, you know, it's it, it, and here's the thing. I don't know you know, I don't know. I, I think it's probably fading some, but I mean, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you could have still walked up to somebody and said, "What you talking about, Willis?" And they would have known exactly what you meant. I have to give a shout you out know? to Willis. Willis wrote a school I worked out for 10 years, and I was there when when they opened up and uh, the our motto became "It takes a pack to raise a wolf." I simply ripped it off of Hillary Clinton's "It takes a visit to, it takes a village uh-huh. to raise a child." But uh-huh. the runner-up was "We know what we're talking about at Willis," <laughs> which would have <laughs> really been a better, just epic. Uh, yeah, just, I remember that would have been hilarious had that been uh, been chosen. It, it would not have it, it would not have aged as well, but it, it's still it, a good. It's still really, it's, it's still a, good, it's a yeah. great throwback. It's still an iconic phrase, you know. I mean, I, I, I would still, you know, I would, I would put it up there with, with a lot of other ones that would be considered, you know, uh, did I do that? That kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, hey anyway. there, big guy. But yeah, I, so I don't, I don't have a lot that I can contribute to this because I, I don't remember even ever having seen it. I remember having seen it. I enjoyed it as a kid. I would, Love to find it somewhere so I could watch it again. And, oh, I'm and... sure it's findable. <laughs> I'm sure it's I, out there I, somewhere imagine, on YouTube. I would, I would imagine that IMDb would have a suggestion for you on where you can watch it. Now, I think anytime you touch in different strokes, you got to mention Dixie Carter and her greatness. We'll just leave it at that. See, I feel like you have to touch on Charlotte Ray and her greatness. Absolutely, girls, girls. My Mrs. Garrett sounds a lot like the alien Arthur on on uh, American Dad. <laughs> Girls, why can't I get some pecan sandies? Blair Joe. It also it, sounds oh, there's something else that it sounds like. Um gosh. 
That's going to, you're going to have to keep doing it because there's something that it's, it keeps bringing to my mind. Why can't I get um, some pecan sandies? It's, and it's not a girl. It's a guy. <laughs> it's for me, that voice is Hal Linden on Hollywood squares in the late seventies. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember um, him? Yeah. I could all, I also feel a little bit of a Charles Nelson Riley from match game. Yeah. I can Do you know that. him. Yes, absolutely. My dad okay. loved Match Game. He thought it was, he found the innuendo hilarious. Yeah, he any, really, any... was it Gene Rayburn was the host? He really yes. thought Gene Rayburn was clever and funny. And really, he yes. was. Yes. My, uh, anytime we go, so it, they, they show, they, that's on the Game Show Network. You know, they show old, uh, made old the shows game show of that. And my mom watches Match Game whenever it's on. Whenever it's oh, if it's match game like 76, 77, and the stuff they're saying on there at that point, yeah. it's revolutionary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's it really so is. Filthy. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was on TV, and I yeah. just got to take my hats off to them for, yeah. for people like Brett Summers, Nipsey Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, when they're calling Michael Landon, Mike Landon, uh, yeah. which I always thought was hilarious on there. Yeah. So that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Oh, I know who it is. Um, Larry Bud Melman? No, it sounds like Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Hey, Scott, let me ask you a question. If the moon was made of spare ribs, would you eat it? I would, and polish it off with a tall, cool Budweiser. Hey, let me ask you, what's your favorite planet? Because mine's the sun. <laughs> can never do enough of that. No, you really can't. I, I believe that's my favorite skit he ever did. Yes, I really absolutely. Do. Um, so anyway, uh, all right. Well, all right, so do we move on then, or do we? Do yeah, we need we're, to we're talk I, just, I just wanted to kind of bring that up, see if you remembered that, and just you know throw it out there if uh, if anyone else has seen that movie. Okay, I can I can even remember. There's this like how how do I must remember this movie? There's a scene where he picks a winner of the horse, and the horse's name is Wet Kiss. I remember that. I don't know why that stands out to me. So that it makes me think because you're talking about horses, it makes me think of there was a movie, and this is not my my this is not the thing that I'm bringing to the this next. Can't, next. Whatever you bring up next counts as your thing. I just no, it's not. Well, then I won't bring it up. I I just can't. Now <laughs> the listeners are going to be wondering why we were robbed of an extra and a bonus clip, and I, I don't, I'm not going to do that to our listeners. So I'm doing that, and then I'm bringing up my thing. Can we take a, a moment movie, and just so, can we acknowledge the bastards at Fancy Feasts? We. <laughs> We both know what you did. You know what you did. It's out so, there. My my eldest daughter wanted me to tell you that uh, she's accepted an internship at Fancy Feast. <laughs> and what are you going to do with is that? that? Har is that Harper? Yes. Harper and I need to talk. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can't bring her into the Nexus next time. Also, I'd like to shout out to Stone. Yeah. And, and the other and the other two and, kids and, whose names and you can't remember. I got them. No, I got them all. I said all four. No, I've got a. Th I've got four. Harper, Steve Harper, Hadley, Stone, and Delia. Right? Oh, you did say Hadley. Okay. All right. Yes. Good. You think Very I should? Ha ha Look, Hadley. I'm not going to forget you. There's a personal okay. shout out for me to Hadley. All right. Okay. All right. So. Hey, Hadley. Right. How you doing? So do you remember? So I can't remember if it was Police Academy two or Police Academy three where Bob Bob Goldthwait made his world premiere debut. Uh, or or at least that was his family affair. It's Police Academy 2. Okay, yes. All right. A great so, movie. I love, I'm a huge fan of the Police Academy series 1 through 4. Once you get to Miami Beach, it's garbage, but 
Yes, agreed 100%. And I feel like I want to watch those movies again, and it has been so long since I've seen them. But <laughs> anyway. I, I, Mahoney, and I've said. Yes. <laughs> by, by the way, Mahoney's antics in the first one, he would have been canceled yes. within 10 minutes of the start of that movie. Sorry, right. go ahead. Absolutely. So I, uh, not long after he was in Police Academy 2, he did, or it may have been Police Academy 3 after he actually became a cop. Um, he was in a movie called Hot to Trot. Yeah. You remember yeah, this the movie? Horse. Yeah, yeah. I remember absolutely nothing about that movie, <laughs> except there's a line where he's riding the horse and he says, oh, I think I got some poop in my mouth. And that is the only thing I can remember about that movie. I couldn't tell you anything about the plot. I couldn't tell you anything about it. But I saw that movie in the theater. Well, is this your thing? No, it's not. <laughs> That's the bonus clip. All right. really, if, if you're looking for some really good Bobcat, I absolutely recommend a movie called um, One Crazy Summer with Demi yes. Moore, yes. John Cusack. Great yes. movie. Yes, it is. All right. So... My movie that I'm bringing to the Nexus tonight is another 80s film that I truly love. And I truly love, and I don't know that we have ever discussed it at all. And if we have, I could not remember that we had. I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to give you, so this is, this one came out in 1985 as well. Same year as Ferris. Okay. Was nowhere near as hyped as Ferris, but has become, I feel like, fairly hyped in the cult classic sense after the fact. Okay. It's directed by Steve Holland. It also featured the fine acting of David Ogden Steers. David Ogden Steers. I don't know. But probably one of my favorite things about the movie is there is a musical performance by E.G. Daly, who is also in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And is he the is, is he the bad guy? No, this is E.G. Daly is a girl. Was she Large Marge? No, no. Was she Pee-wee's girlfriend? Yes. Dottie. And she sang a song. Dottie. She sang a song on Friends. Known Smelly, as Smelly Cat. Cat. Yes. Do you know what movie I am referencing? Wait, is it Pee-wee's Big Adventure? It is not. Which, by the way, that movie deserves our full attention because it is outstanding. It does. It does. It does. We w that would be a good one to have a watch along. Yeah. It's that <laughs> Exhibit Q is scale model of the entire mall. The moon was in line with Pluto. The sun was Pee-wee. All right, if, how about I drop a line here? Okay. Elaine Maya. Dead, better off dead. That was going to be my guess, too. It's a shame yes. some people throw away a perfectly good white boy. Do you know yes. the street value of this snow? Yes. He learned, he learned English by watching Howard Cosell. I, could, oh, I love Better Off Dead. Is, there's not enough people have seen it. 
and to drink Peru. The doctor said you don't need to eat so many fried foods, so I boiled it. <laughs> Remember that, that thing just crawling off the... It's got raisins. Yes. You like raisins. Well, and the whole he... scene where he's working at the hamburger grill and he does the whole with the with the Van Halen song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just everything about that movie is so random, but I remember... Oh, I remember... She, was singing, she was singing Better Off Dead at the Prom? Yes. That's E.G. Daly. And I remember watching that and being like, dude, that girl is hot. <laughs> because, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel that way about, uh, you know, the main girl, uh, the, the French student, the Monique. Ricky uses his chance to put his testicles all over me. That, ten, you mean tentacles? <laughs> yes, testicles. No, 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 no. Big difference. Yes, so I'm a, I'm a John Cusack fan, typically. Oh, I'm typically a, I, I am a I'm a John Cusack fan. Um, I love. I didn't, I didn't get. I am too. I didn't get Gross Point Blank, and I didn't like the the record one. What was that called? Um, High Fidelity. Yeah, I just. But like better better off dead. It's funny. I just talked about One Crazy Summer because he's in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Better off dead is 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 terrific. It's. It's so off the wall. Right. What's, what's the what's the name? Is the K-12? Was that the name of the, the yes, course? Yes, the K-12. The street mm -hmm. value of the snow. This is pure snow. <laughs> Anytime. I mean, they're just booger over the years. I have come to appreciate him more and more. Uh, the, the, uh, by the way, one of the greatest lines in the history of cinema is uttered by John Cusack. <laughs> this is, gee, Ricky, I'm really sorry your mother blew up. <laughs> Interpret time. Indeed. Oh, this wine's so good. Indeed. Yeah. So that 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 movie for me, but but I, I can I can still remember that scene with her singing that song, and she does this thing with her eyes, and it's like, oh man, it's like I'd be better off dead than to live without you. Yeah. Like yeah. And Ricky dancing at the prom when you know he takes. He takes Monique, and they go in, but then all of a sudden he starts breaking, breaking it down, and she gets away and goes with, goes with Lane, and, 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 she, and he's like, just like tearing it up out there. Let's, let's do a, a Nexus test to see how in sync we are. What's the greatest 80s dance performed in an 80s movie? Of course, it, was, it, it would be like in a high school. Is it The Breakfast Club? There's a dance scene in the Breakfast Club. Yeah, man. No, no, not that. Not, that's not a dance. That's not it, like this is in a gym. Like greatest dance scene in an '80s movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not in sync with you. I don't, I don't it's know. Like in the Ooh. African Anteater dance from Can't Buy Me Love. <laughs> Gosh. You had to reach out for "Can't Buy Me Love." <laughs> That's I'm not even thinking mainstream. I'm, I'm, I don't even throw that in mainstream. As I thought that though, I, I said the greatest because the greatest high school dancing is obviously Back to the Future. You know, I also uh, did you see? And this is one. Did you ever have trouble with? Uh, 
I always, I often had trouble confusing C. Thomas Howell and Matthew Broderick. No, I didn't. I didn't have that problem. In fact, I think you've got a problem if that's your problem. Yeah, well, I probably do. That that I think we've been doing this long and enough to. Is that the that problem? Right? We're, is that really did the problem ever, we're trying to solve? Did you ever see um, Secret Admirer? I don't think so. With C. Thomas Howell and Lori Laughlin. And uh, okay, first uh, off, Lori, Lori Laughlin is gorgeous. And Kelly Preston. Kelly, do you remember a movie? This is where we're getting way off track. We should have someone whistleblowing us. A movie called The Experts. Kelly Preston, John Travolta, and the other guy. I can't remember what he was in. You would have recognized him. He looked like Julian Lennon, but it's not Julian Lennon. Uh, his, his first name is Ari. And they were, they were captured by Russians. And they were told that they were in Nebraska, but they were really in Russia as they were really to try – these other people were pretending to be Americans, but they were there as the experts, um, really teaching about American culture, but they didn't realize it. Anyway, I'm off track. I, 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 to, I, I vaguely remember that. It sounds a little bit like this. Was that a serious movie or a comedy? Let me ask you a question. Was was the guy who was doing Lane Lane Maya? That wasn't that wasn't chosen from Karate Kid Two, was it? Did you just like blow through my question and not even answer? Absolutely, I did. I don't even know what your question was. Uh, my question was: Was the experts a comedy or was it a? Uh... It was a comedy. It was a comedy. Did you ever see a movie called Born American? Yes, this guy sneak inexplicably. Yes. They decide for fun to sneak into the Soviet Union. That movie's so yes. stupid. The premise and of it is so caught. dumb. Hey, that was... let's sneak into this communist country that's got a repressive government. That sounds great. But that kind of uh, um, that was kind of the way movies were about the Russians back then, you know. Do you, Do you feel like that was the equivalent of us stealing the Delta Zeta letters off the house in Rock Hill in 1992? Oh, oh. And could that be a full length major movie? I just I don't know. I don't know. Yes. That is chosen. It that is? is. Yes. Sorry, I just good that, call. That's just, I mean, that that's is something great. I never. Great. Now that now that I see it, I can't unsee it. Lane Maya, a once great champion. Okay, what was Lane's girlfriend's name? You talking about Monique? No, his girlfriend. Monique wasn't really his girlfriend to the end when they kissed at Dodger Stadium on top of his Camaro, which was a very odd ending for this movie. Beth. <laughs> oh, it was Beth. Yes. It was Beth. Beth, who yes. also was Judge Reinhold's girlfriend in um, Fast Times at Richmond High that broke up with him senior year. I believe that's the same actress. I think can... that you are right. And I also feel like... Um... I also feel like we need to talk about um, ruthless people at some point. <laughs> Fucking finance it, man. <laughs> you remember that scene? Now my kids He's... can't listen to this podcast. Uh, I'd, like to to apologize. I'd like to apologize to the, the Whaley children and the yes, general podcast I, at large community. I, I, I do remember that scene. 
I, that's I, the that, funniest line because that's just when he says that and then he realizes what he's doing. And did you ever see the movie um, Crazy People with Dudley Moore? No, though I am a Dudley Moore fan. You need to see that movie. That's one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen. Not only am I a Dudley Moore fan, I'm a fan of how much Pinky in the Brain would reference Dudley Moore. <laughs> we need to have a Pinky in the that. Brain sometime. Yes, we could do that. Or just Animaniacs in general. Yes, they always had like <laughs> bizarre combinations yeah. of pop culture. Yeah, yeah. See, now, that's one of, that's one of the things you missed out on when you left, when you left Winthrop. Is that show Moore. came out after you had gone. And we spent many days watching episodes of Animaniacs. Brian, what are we going to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. We're going to take over the world. Narf. There you go. So I think we're starting I, I, to... I feel, uh, like, I feel like the kids should be able to listen to this episode. I think it's, you know, it's one... It's, it was one word. It's PG-13 because of that, but not R. I don't know. Now you've now you've got explicit lyrics applied to our podcast. I mean, how was Stones? What twenty one? At a time at a time when when Eric Bischoff is you know trying to dial down his profanity. Your let, me you up. let me tell you something. I was very disturbed by, and I don't know if you ever watched any of the Dark Side of the Ring, that documentary yes, series. I did. I did. Have you seen the airplane ride from hell? No. I'm going to warn you if you watch that. You're going to have a very difficult time um, being a fan of Ric Flair, the person, yeah. and Scott Hall. So yeah. I was very, very disturbed um, with things that were discussed in that. Disturbing, disappointing, you name it. Like, very, very, uh, very let down by that. Okay. Uh, maybe I shouldn't watch it. I would say don't watch it. Okay. Um, I just have it was it was a, it was a downer. Um, but I mean, I'm glad that that's the way those guys acted. I'm glad it came out, and they they should be ashamed of their their behavior. They should be they they should be ashamed of how they. And I'm not gonna get too serious here. They should be ashamed of how they treated Scott Hall and didn't support someone who had an addiction problem. Yeah. Um, that's really when I look at all that, it's just embarrassing for for them. Yeah. Yeah, but I've and I had a whole another rant I was going to go off on. Like, it never makes sense. The whole idea of the NWO was to be the invasion to take over WCW. You can't bring back the NWO in two thousand and two or three in WWE and have any kind of impact. Right. Agreed. This is stupid. All right. Anyway, yes. I'm off track. All right. Well, I think we're we're at the uh, limit of an hour. I like the way this went. It kind of uh, just morphed as it went along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And we're uh, we're just getting things ready for the uh, live broadcast in Kansas City coming to you. Uh, That's right. In 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 late June. Because what better place? Late June to spend a, a hot June evening than than outdoors in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> I mean, Midway. I can't think of a better place. <laughs> I can't think of a, of a better place. I mean, what, what what more is there? I was eating a hot dog. What movie is that from? Do you know? No, I don't. Let's feel the dreams right there. Oh, okay. So, all that right. Movie. I can't. I can't. The feel of dreams. The end when they when when uh, is it Ray or Roy? Ray. 
Ray has a catch Roy, with Ray this, can with sell. This, Ray can when sell. he has a catch with his dad, man, I, I lose it every time. It's, oh, I do too. I'm not emotional about movies, but that one just, man, that that is a movie that truly that truly understands the soul of baseball. Yes, agreed. Agreed. So I think that we have probably uh, reached our... We our, said 60 uh, minutes. Yep, yep. And so we're going to uh, close with uh, our Mike Schmidt trivia question for the evening. Okay. And uh, we're going to ask Steve, uh, what... Are the names of Mike Schmidt's parents? Uh, Donna's his wife. I'm gonna go Elsie Jean. <laughs> and is that his dad? <laughs> I'm gonna go Brittany and Caleb. <laughs> Brittany and Caleb. So <laughs> Caleb is the mom. <laughs> Uh, I would have said Donna because that's a good one for the era. I'm going to go Barbara and Robert. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Your mom's, I, don't, I don't recall your mom's first name. I know. Judy. Judy. That's what I should Judy. Yeah. So Mike, Mike's, Mike was born to parents Joseph Jack Schmidt and Lois Jane Schmidt. Uh, Lois is a good one. Yeah. So Joe and Lois, that's their names. So we've stumped him again tonight, ladies and gentlemen. He's he's on he's on a on a uh, he's in a slump. Hey, did you watch the video I sent? I sent you the video with the meowmics in it, right? Yes. Did you watch that? It's, yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's outstanding. It's- so we want to good. thank we want to thank the makers of Meow Mix for being part of the Nexus tonight as well. Abs- as... Absolutely, thank you, Meow Mix. The the that to me, there's just if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a commercial that came out in 1984, which is a parody of Close Encounters of the Third Time with the music talking to the ship, but the cat meowing. Meow 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 meow. Just it's genius. It it's is. Just, it's just perfection it in a commercial. And speaking of genius, what they do in the kitchen night after night at Lilford's in Rembert, South Carolina, is also genius. So we'd like to give a shout-out to them, as well as our good friends at Bluetooth and the Internet. Makers Absolutely. of fine products since I don't want to forget the Internet. So, all right. Thank you, Al well, Gore, for inventing the Internet. Indeed. Indeed. So, from all of us to all of you, good night. Have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> Good night, Nexus.